Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Now, if you've been listening to the news, you'll hear that scientists may be closer to answering the David Bowie question, is there life on Mars? Now, we may not know if there's life on Mars, but we found one of our best indications that there is liquid water still right now present underneath the surface of Mars. Plus, we find out where all that Martian dust comes from and how oxygen ended up around Comet 67P. What were you doing when you were 15 years old? Were you helping lead groundbreaking research and shed light on not only the origin of life on this planet, but also across the universe? Did you help potentially unlock clues to life outside planet Earth? Well, if that sounds like a lot to ask of a 15-year-old, you're probably right. But one 15-year-old, the European Space Agency's Mars Express mission has done just that. Now, onboard Mars Express, which was launched all the way back in December 2003, they have an instrument called MARSIS which is the Mars Advanced Radar for Subsurface and Ionosphere Sounding. And this is one of the many instruments aboard the Mars Express mission. One of the other parts of the Mars Express mission, for those of you who don't remember, was the Beagle Lander, or rather the unfortunate Beagle Lander, which, though tried to deploy to the surface of Mars, did not manage to make it or land successfully. But although one part of the mission was a failure, that hasn't stopped Mars Express from contributing greatly to scientific research over the last 15 years. And using data from the last four years, a group of Italian researchers have been studying, using data from Mars's, Mars's polar ice caps. And they've been looking in particular 1.5 kilometres beneath Mars's southern polar cap. And you might ask why you'd bother studying somewhere like that. If you've got all of Mars to explore, why would you turn your attention to a pretty barren part of Mars overall, the ice caps? Well, they're using a technique that's actually very similar to what we do here in Antarctica and other polar regions. Sometimes we know, such as Lake Vostok, that you can have buried deep beneath a very, very thick layer of ice a body of water that might be teeming with microbial life. And if you study some of these big lakes underneath the Arctic and Antarctic, you'll see exactly that happening. Beneath these layers upon layers or metres and metres or even kilometres of ice, if you drill down enough through them, you'll find a small pocket of water. And when I say small, I mean kilometres across a large lake, realistically. And when we've done simp drilling into these large underground or under ice lakes on earth we've found microbial life because it's liquid water and that is what in general we try and hunt for to try and find clues for life so when we look around mars it's not the first time that we've discovered water when we had the phoenix lander a nasa mars lander we had it land and when they dug just beneath the soil around the lander itself they found small condensed ice or water droplets just beneath the surface. Most of that's actually come condensed as part of the landing process. In 2011, the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, MRO, found traces of water running down the slopes of these large dunes and cliff face. Now, how was water running on Mars when it's so terribly cold with no atmosphere? Well, the types of salts and metals and ores 
on Mars's surface actually have some antifreeze properties. And this has helped the water trickle down the sides of these dunes, causing identifiable streaks. And this is other examples where we found running water on Mars. But every time we found it, it's been fleeting glimpses of water. 4.5 billion years ago, we're pretty confident, thanks to a lot of data from the Very Large Telescope and scientific modelling, that there was actually around 137 metres deep liquid water oceans on Mars. But once Mars's atmosphere, due to its lack of magnetic core, whittled away, that water either froze or went underground or evaporated out into space. So finding a large pool of water on Mars that could potentially harbour life is the dream of many astrobiological researchers. And that's where the Mars Express mission was really trying to help shed some light. Now, this Mars Advanced Radar for Subsurface and Ionosphere Sounding, MARSIS, equipment, it's designed to basically be ground-penetrating radar. It's the same techniques we can use here on Earth to find hidden bodies of water, caves, or even archaeological relics and remnants of abandoned cities. It is a radar signal that basically bounces through all the things under the ground until it hits something either less solid or more solid and reflects back up. And by studying the amount that that signal bounces from the stuff that it penetrates down all the layers down and how long it takes to come back up, we use this information to actually build a picture of what's beneath the ground. And when the researchers were doing this, they found buried kilometers beneath the ground, a really interesting pocket. So they sent a signal in the Mars polar caps all the way down 1.5 kilometers through layers of dust and ice in this Martian polar cap. And when they got about 1.5 kilometers down, they found this particularly bright radar reflection. And that's particularly interesting because up until that point, everything else had been consistent in something they knew how to process. And this region wasn't little. It was a 20 kilometer wide lake. That's quite a substantive lake, the greater area of Melbourne, for example, if you want to think about it that way. And it's at least several cent hundred centimeters thick. Otherwise, it wouldn't produce that kind of signal bounce back. So what this suggests is that sandwiched between the Martian polar caps layers of dust and ice, there's actually a really large pocket of liquid water. And that is particularly exciting news if you're hunting for life. Because as we know, when we found other locations like that on Earth, we've discovered microbial life inside it. Now, Mars has been studied and prodded by a lot of different scientific missions, and we've seen hints of interesting subsurface features for years. But whilst you try and study this from orbit, it's very, very difficult. The instruments that are mounted on them are trying to make sense of stuff buried deep beneath the ground from hundreds of kilometers up in space using technology that's, in this case, 15 years old. Now, this is particularly difficult and requires a lot of great engineering and scientific work done by this Italian research team to make sense of all the information that they're getting back and figure out how to sort the noise from the interesting signals. And that's exactly what they've done here, using a collaboration of research from the University of Rome in Italy, the Italian Space Agency, and even some partnership with NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Now, this is one pocket of water that they found on Mars, but there's potentially others out there. Now that they have a technique for figuring out if there is pockets of water, it can help find further and more interesting versions of this phenomena, underground hidden lakes on Mars. 
but this is some great research being done by the Italian Space Agency, the European Space Agency, in conjunction with the University of Rome and NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. One of the difficulties of studying Mars is, as we've spoken about, it is often covered in these huge dust storms that can engulf the entire planet. But this raises a very serious question. Where does all this dust come from? It has to come from somewhere, and there's so much of it. How do they end up with these global dust storms? Now, a new paper published in the journal Nature Communications led by researchers from John Hopkins University, including Kevin Lewis, an assistant professor of Earth and planetary science, and Lehundra Oja, who works together with Lewis in his laboratory, have been studying a part of Mars called the Medusae Fossae Formation. Now, the Medusae Fossae Formation, or the MFF, is a particularly interesting part of Mars. It's around 5,000 kilometers in this quadrilateral feature of ridges and canyons and valleys, saddled and nestled between all volcanic regions of different large volcanoes. And what makes this formation so interesting is that these researchers from John Hopkins University have pinpointed that it has and this particular chemical composition means you can see how far material from this region manages to spread out. Now, here on Earth, things can erode, whether it be through water and wind, so a large mountain will eventually crumble into the sea, either from water erosion or from the wind or the gusts. But on Mars, what is leading and driving this erosion process? There's no atmosphere with water-rich, humid air to help erode the rocks, and there's no surface water to do the same thing as well. Maybe asteroid impacts will, from time to time, help the erosion of some large rock formations. But it's really missing all of these soft rock formations and things that can be pushed around and melted and broken down by glaciers, wind, water, volcanoes, and meter impacts. And these don't really exist now, at least in the modern form, on Mars. So where does all this Martian dust come from? What is causing and creating so much dust that's spreading all the way across Mars? And that's where these researchers have pointed back to the MMF. Now, using the fact that the MMF has a particular chemical composition and something that can be studied and tracked using data from Mars Odyssey, which has been orbiting Mars since 2001, they could pick up the specific ratio of sulfur to chlorine that's present in this formation. And what they found is if you look at a lot of the dust scattered across Mars, they all have this pretty unique ratio of sulfur to chlorine. Not on the soil or in the ground, but just in the dust in the air. And if you work backwards, it'd be pretty interesting to think about it. Now, since the MMF has all these large ridges and valleys, it's possible that wind rushing through this would create erosion and whip up the dust into the atmosphere. And using modeling based on the amount of data spread across, and assuming roughly 3 billion years of time, which is how long this formation's been in existence for, Enough dust would have been eroded away to produce around a 2 to even 12 meter thick layer of dust all the way across Mars. So maybe that's where our dust has come from. And this is potentially still creating more and more dust that's helping pollute the Martian atmosphere today. So this is a great read site from John Hopkins University, piecing together 
information from various Mars missions to help answer the question, why is Mars so dusty? Now I want you to cast your mind back to 2014, where we started to become enamoured with Comet 67P, otherwise known as Churyumov-Gerasimenko, which was the duck-shaped comet, or two spherical things stuck together, which was fitted by the European Space Agency's probe Rosetta, which actually landed on the comet's surface and gave us back a whole bunch of fascinating information. Now, as part of that mission, and studying this Comet 67's P journey through our solar system, people were trying to theorise how the comet's tail and the chemical composition of it started to give us clues about the formation of comets in general. And one of the things that they found particularly interesting is some molecular oxygen that seemed to float around the surface of Comet 67P. Now, people weren't really sure what the origin of this oxygen was. And as we come back to before, when we're looking for clues to life, one of the things we like to find is water, because that gives us a good hint, because that's the, one of the places we found life forming on Earth. Now, another telltale sign that we like to look for is oxygen. Now, this is less universally associated with life, because we're pretty sure life can exist without oxygen, but it's a good thing to hunt for nevertheless. So when we see this molecular oxygen hanging around, the surface of Comet 67P, we weren't really sure where it came from and how it worked. Now, the team, still analysing today the results of the Rosetta mission, have published a paper in the journal Nature Communications. And this information has been analysed by the Imperial College of London physicists. And they've found and proposed a mechanism for what actually was producing all of this molecular oxygen. Now, molecular oxygen is pretty straightforward. At its core, it's just a production of O2 molecule, two oxygen atoms joining together. And on Earth, it's essential for life, and in fact, it's often produced via photosynthesis. Now, we have found traces of molecular oxygen scattered around the solar system. For example, on some of the icy moons of Jupiter, we've seen some evidence of molecular oxygen. But obviously, at least as far as we know, there's no photosynthesis happening there. And it's even more unexpected for it to occur in a comet. Now, when a comet gets closer to the sun or a heat source, the surface, the ice on the surface of the comet sublimes, and it just transforms straight from solid all the way to gas. And this gas atmosphere around the comet is called a coma. And this is what Rosetta was analysing. Now, when it did its analysis, it found that there was carbon monoxide and water, which you expect from an ice ball melting, but also molecular oxygen. And people have been struggling to explain how this actually came about. Some people propose that perhaps using energetic ions, this molecular oxygen was produced by basically a process, by particles bombarding and energising the surface, converting the oxygen from the water into just straight molecular oxygen. And researchers, including Mr. Kevin Heriter and Dr. Marina Gallen from the Department of Physics at Imperial College, analysed all the residents and results and then built a huge simulation of this. And it showed that surface generation using these energised ions just could not possibly explain the amount of oxygen, molecular oxygen, found around Comet 67P. 
So even if some small amount was to happen, that's not going to explain the huge volume of oxygen they could see. It's just not physically possible for it to produce enough that way. So where did this oxygen come from? Well, this instead points us to another direction, that this oxygen is actually trapped inside the surface of this comet. So basically, the body of the comet has got some oxygen molecules locked into it, along with the ice and ores and everything else. But where did this oxygen come from in the first place? Well, given that comets are just remnants, at least as far as we understand, of the formation of our solar system, that means that this molecular oxygen is primordial molecular oxygen, left over from the formation of our solar system. This aligns with the theory that most molecular oxygen that we see in dark clouds or inside these comets, or maybe in the icy moons of Jupiter, have been molecular oxygen left over from the formation of the solar system that then froze into small dust grains, which then eventually amalgamated up to collect more material. And this got built up into the comets and thus locking and trapping the oxygen inside the heart of these comets. So when Comet 67P gets close to the sun and releases ice and melts it away and dust along with oxygen, it's actually unlocking some of the earliest air or oxygen, more specifically, from the earliest parts of our solar system. And that's incredibly fascinating. It just goes to show that what we can still learn by analysing the data of missions that have long since finished and some great work out of the Imperial College London. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. From large bodies of water trapped underneath the surface of Martian ice poles to Martian dust coming from a single geological formation and unexplained oxygen around Comet 67P. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.